Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style and powerography would like to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners quartz and canary jewelry and wellness company use code empower 15 to receive 15 percent off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com quartz and canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style hello there brad walsh here your host of the empowerography podcast today my guest is brandy knight She's the founder and owner of Inner Calling LLC and an esoteric exorcist. How are you doing today, Brandy? I am so happy to be here. I am over the moon excited to have you here, equally as excited as you. And I mean, you and I have been trying to get this done for a while now, so it's nice to finally have you here and to be able to sit down and dive into all the things, Brandy, and learn about your journey and your story. So thank you so much for making and taking the time to be here. I appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Brandy, you call yourself the esoteric exorcist. You are an emotional health specialist, an accountability coach, a kundalini yoga scientist, an international best-selling author, the founder and owner of Inner Calling LLC, and last but certainly not least, your mother. That is one hell of a lot of hats you're wearing, a super extensive and impressive resume. How on earth do you find the time for all of this? How do you prioritize and how important is prioritization to you? Yeah, right. Like, how am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) When you hear all the things back, like, holy shit, I do do a lot. (laughs) You know, so I'll just start off being real. I'm getting to that place where I'm seeing the value and the necessity of a team in order to expand. So just real talk, that's where I'm at in this current time and space. But prioritizing, you know, my main priority, of course, is my daughter. But I start, and I, you know, and we can talk about this more too, but I start every single day with mantra, kundalini yoga, breath work and meditation, like not a fluffy experience, like down and dirty, like an hour and a half, two hours at least. And from there, the priority is allow things to unfold. So I'll have like a schedule, but I really lean into the flow of, um, you know, the flow of life. Just let things flow and roll. So then my next question actually a great segue into it. What does your, your, I know you briefly just mentioned it, but, and you flow with things, but is there some kind of routine that you follow, like non-negotiables that you have for the mornings? Yeah, for sure. Non-negotiables is my Kundalini yoga practice. Uh, It is a, a lineage I've been a part of for many lifetimes. So, you know, I usually, this kind of varies, but typically I'm waking up at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And I'm spending some time doing a little breath work, chanting mantra. Then I'll take a nap and then I get up again at around, you know, anywhere from like six or seven. And I do yoga with a group. It's called AWLS. It's a part of the Rama community. If anybody knows, awesome. If you don't, awesome. But we all get together virtually and knock out about an hour and a half of yoga. That is my non-negotiable and it's Kundalini yoga. So it's different than what some people might be used to, especially here in, well, here in the States or here in, in Canada. This is 
it's the yoga of, of energy, okay. essentially. So, so that's my non-negotiable. <laughs> that is, well, I mean, that's a hell of a routine. You stick to that, that kudos to you for sticking to that and having that routine that keeps things flowing and keep things moving for you. So being a serial entrepreneur as you are, have you always had that entrepreneurial bug in you? And if so, where do you think that comes from? I, and I love the term serial entrepreneur. <laughs> serial I'm a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> Watch very creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have always been an entrepreneur. I mean, I, I've had like a couple jobs. I worked for a publication called The Guardian out of San Francisco. You know, I, I've had a couple job jobs here and there. But my first career, I was a hairstylist. Then I moved into, you know, well, not moved into, a lot of these were simultaneous. Then I got into animal behavior and I started working with rescue animals, which then, you know, it, well, here we are today. So I've yeah. always been with varying degrees of financial success, an <laughs> entre- <laughs> a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and keep pushing and excelling at all that you do, Brandy? First, my daughter. My daughter. So, and this goes beyond life here on this particular planet as humans. This is this, you know, my soul's evolution that I have with this particular soul in my soul family. In this lifetime, I'm mom, she's daughter, and in the other various players on my stage, but every one of those, especially her contributes to this greater mission, which is this evolution of soul experience, but particularly on planet earth. Now, those of us that are here, that's you, that's me. We are here to call in what's known as the golden age. We're moving into the Aquarian age and there's no guarantee that the golden age will arrive unless we are stepping the fuck in to (laughs) our destiny path. And so that requires deep dedication to a practice like meditation, Uh kundalini yoga, you know, something that peels back the blinders. So yes, it's about my daughter and our relationship and that connection that we have. So I can leave that legacy behind for her, set an example, like an embodied example of, you know, what it is to be on your path of destiny and to be awakened and to have courage around that because it's a scary time for to be awakened in this moment on this planet. Uh, but really it's that it's the, it's a heavy responsibility to call in the golden age. So that's that. That's that. In a that's that. <laughs> the awakening <laughs> is upon us. Yes. <laughs> now, what were you doing for a living? I know you briefly touched on a couple of things, but what, before you made the jump fully into entrepreneurship and what you're doing now with inner calling, what were you doing for a career for a living? before this i was doing hair at a strip club (laughs) (laughs) they have hairstylists for strip clubs that work in the The, strip clubs the high-end ones do for sure yep so i worked at a very famous club in san francisco that opened up in 1969 hint hint i was just gonna Um, say (laughs) right the summer of love opened up so you know 
I started a friend of mine who's fabulously good. He was like, Hey girl, (laughs) we need a hairstylist. He was doing makeup. So I came in and we had our little beauty station there for years and it was wild and amazing. And I won't trade any moment that I had there, you know? So think of, you know, someone fresh out of training. I was fresh out of like a high-end assistant program for hair at a bougie salon. And I go into this, the dressing room at a strip club to start doing hair for dancers that were naked. (laughs) And I was like, kept thinking those first couple of days, don't drop the iron, don't drop the the curling iron. Yeah. Like, don't look down. Don't drop the, just like, keep it together. So that was it. I was there for on and off for about 15 years. Towards wow. the end of my stay there, I was one of one of like three managers that ran the club and a cool little kind of nugget of history. Yeah. There's so many nuggets of history from that space, but right. I like to give another little like hint, hint. The final position I held was actually in an office that previously was the, the office of a little known author by the name of Hunter S. Thompson. I love Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. So he, yeah. So he worked there for a brief stint in order to write an article. So, you know, I was just steeped in history and debauchery. So no part of my life is typical, but that was my first, some of my first entrepreneurial Uh, experiences was I was slanging hair at a strip club. (laughs) The energy and the vibe of that place though, just wow. Hunter, that's that's all I got there is wow. (laughs) And that's just to name a few. So, you know, people do their research if they, if they want, you would easily be able to figure out what club I was working at, but I found family there. I wouldn't change anything. I had the most amazing experience even the shitty experiences, I wouldn't fucking change a thing. I loved my experience there. Well, that's what's led you on your path to where you are today. That was all part of it, right? So awesome. Amazing part of that journey. Love it. Can you share with us a little bit about Inner Calling LLC? When you started the business, what it's all about? Yeah. Um, I started it like officially as like a formal business about six years ago and It started, you know, I was a client well before I was a practitioner. So I started in as a client in the naturopath scene, which led me into theta healing, which then led me into my first theta healing training, which then led into a whole lot of other healing arts modalities that I got trained in. And currently I I love to get educated, but I, I treat my certifications as tools in my toolbox instead of like, I'm an NLP practitioner. I'm a, you know, right? It's just, yeah, that just that just doesn't seem you. That's not your yeah, vibe. Yeah, it's just so not my vibe, right? No. So, you know, I started doing one-on-one sessions about six years ago, formally. Previously, I'd been practicing for years on people. And, but formally, it was about six years ago. And inner calling, you know, the name, it, it's spelled C-A-U-L-L-I-N-G. Yes. And it represents the, the birth sack, the call. And so when I do this deep emotional work with people, it feels every single time like this rebirth. And so, I mean, I'm sure you've heard, you know, shed the fucking layer, shed the layer. Yeah. But it was like this, I just kept seeing just this like ripping out of the birth sack. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> and so it's layer by layer. So inner calling, we, you know, internally, we all have like the layers of the onion or the amniotic sac, the birth sac that we just continually to rebirth from is just kind of a way to put it. And, Very, and that, that's the exorcism. That's the, that's, that's the another, esoteric that's, exorcism. That's the esoteric exorcism. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> So when you're working with your clients who have experienced trauma and abuse and whatnot, do you find it hard not to bring your work home with you? And how do you deal with that so that you do your best not to do just that? Yeah, totally. Uh, no, I don't find it hard actually, because okay. I've been, I'm super diligent and I've been trained really well into knowing how to remove my energy from other people, how to remove their energy from me. There are step-by-steps. Visualization is absolutely real. You know, what we focus on long enough will become. So yeah. with max amount of focus, you really can, you know, there's no reason that anyone should be bogged down by anyone else's stuff. And if you are, number one, there's an invitation that you're attracting their stuff to cling on to you. So if that, you know, once you're aware of that, then it's choice and the choice is, okay, am I going to be proactive in learning how to not do that? So, you know, no, I don't get bogged down by other people's shit. Um, Had I not been trained, yes, absolutely. I could see how that could easily happen. Oh gosh, when I was when I was doing hair, oh my god, you're a therapist there too, right? Dude, I was there. You're practicing your craft there. Yes, yes, and there I was. There I was bogged down. Now, no, then, absolutely, I didn't know what I was doing that having that exchange, that energetic exchange, and it even goes beyond, it goes into almost like a chemistry exchange as well, like on a biological level. Yeah. So when you have that understanding and those tools, it actually can be quite easy if you're a practitioner, not to get bogged down by other people's shit. I love it. Don't get bogged down by other people's shit, Brandy says. Okay. (laughs) Slap it on a (laughs) t-shirt. I've heard people say, that work in the trauma and abuse fields, that this work has chosen them as opposed to them choosing this field of work to get into. Do you feel that that was the case for you? And if so, why do you feel that way? Well, that's an interesting statement. I mean, no, I don't feel that way because I know what soul incarnation is and that everyone chooses their life experience and a particular mission and lessons to learn. So, but then amnesia sets in once we go through the birth canal or come earthside, right? So I can Mm -hmm. see how someone would think or feel or have the experience of this chose me. But for me and my perspective and all the things that I've learned and experienced, that's never the case. So I 100% chose this. I chose the life experiences in my own life that have looked like trauma and abuse, meaning I wasn't necessarily saying, Hey, looking for an abuser over here. (laughs) (laughs) Calling all abusers. Calling all the ding dongs. Are you an alcoholic? Come on down. Right? (laughs) You know. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're clear on that. Well, yeah, but you know what? What I do mean is, you know, just for anybody who's just like, "What the fuck is she saying?" (laughs) We come here to learn lessons and to show up in a certain capacity, right? But we're not. We need the leverage in order to rise up to do that. So if I had like a super cushy life, I wouldn't be helping other people through trauma. I needed to go through my PhD program and our PhD program is not the gathering of information. It's the experience. I love that. Brilliant. Well said. Thank you. 
kudos kudos to you what is it then that sets you and the work you do apart from others why would they choose to work with you over someone else because it's me i mean period the end because it's me and not i'm not a match for everybody not everyone is a match for me Mm -hmm. so i don't cater to clients i show up as me and i trust the unfolding of natural law so there's that piece. And, <laughs> but I would say, you know, if, you know, during the past few years, there has been this influx of people showing up as life coaches and practitioners and this, that, and the other fucking thing. Okay. Yeah. But there is a difference. And even if you don't know what it is, you know, when you see it, the difference, it being the people that have done the work and that do the work versus the people that don't someone who just yeah. took a course and created a business versus the people that have walked through the fucking fire and come out the other end and do so daily because being the embodied guide is of top priority. So I would say that is something that I bring to the table that might not be what other people are bringing to the table currently. Yeah, I had a chat with someone about something along these lines last week, and they were talking about how they would rather work with a counselor or a coach or whatever the word you want to use is that has actually been through the shit and is not just one who read about these things in a book. You can read all you want in a book, but if you haven't experienced any kind of trauma or been through shit, how can you help someone get through their shit? If you've not been through anything yourself, if you're just reading out of a book. You know, that's interesting. I would add a little piece to that Mm -hmm. statement because what can happen is it's the difference between having an understanding and then creating a scenario of trauma bond. So for me in my sessions, you know, we do some talking, but most of my session work is experience, purging, exercising, screaming, crying, you know, and and yoga, all the things like we're, we're, we're doing instead of just kind of reactivating the vibrational frequency of what has happened. Because when we do that, that's why traditional therapy doesn't work for most people is because you continue to reactivate the vibrational frequency of what it is that you think that you don't want, but you're so addicted to it because you keep reactivating it. And that's the subconscious landscape. People, most people don't understand that they are addicted to their trauma. And that's why shit keeps hitting the fan on repeat because there's actually a physiological addiction to the chemistry shift and the hormonal shift that occurs when you're in traditional therapy or a, a talk therapy approach, so to speak. So, you know, cause you just keep reactivating it when you're talking about it over and over. So I agree that, you know, someone has to at least have, have the wherewithal to put their, you know, their practice to work for themselves. So I don't necessarily need somebody to go through what I've been through necessarily, Mm -hmm. but if I'm going to choose a practitioner, they better be showing up for themselves. 100%. That makes complete sense. And you can drop the mic now, Brandy. Okay. What, in your opinion, then, is the most important quality or skill set in someone who works with people who have experienced trauma or abuse or both? Blunt honesty. You know, you would think that, so so yes, caring, yes, concern, yes, love, yes, open heart. Here's why blunt honesty is so important, because you get people that want to complain. That's the addiction piece again. Right. I want to, I want to suffer. <laughs> over and over because it's what I'm good at. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you're going into a space 
as that person who's addicted to suffering, which I was that person and your practitioners. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) Where are you going to get with that? Probably not far, probably more trauma, right? Cause you're just Mm. fucking reactivating that shit. Yeah. So I think blunt honesty is like, look, dude, what are you going to choose? here's your tools. Are you going to do the homework? You're being lazy. You're addicted to fucking cortisol. Like, you know, you're playing video games all goddamn day long. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Are you going <laughs> to do the sound, work or not? Are you going to do the work or not? Right. So, you know, that I'm kind of being silly here, but yeah. you know, it, but it really is like, here are the tools. Are you ready? And I don't know if you get this, but I get this all the time. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. No, the fuck you're not. <laughs> <laughs> here do it here we go yeah let's let's see what you got prove prove me wrong prove me wrong (laughs) and again i've been that person too are you kidding me yeah for sure (laughs) i think that's the same with anything though like i mean coaching whatever if your clients are coming to you and they're saying yes i'm willing to do the work and 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 you show up for your next session you haven't done the work or the homework that you've been given what the fuck are you doing here you're wasting your time and mine right so step up or step off Period. Yes. I have fired plenty of clients and they get pissed. And it's like, yeah. look, I, I don't, I'm not here to take your money. That's not what this is about. No. I love money. Give me money. I love sure. money. Right. So, but not like that. Like, no, that's not the energy exchange I'm looking for. It's not in alignment with who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Do you work only with women in your coaching business? And if so, did you, why did you decide to focus your business and energy on helping to empower women specifically? No, I work okay. with everyone. Yeah. Okay. I love empowering everyone. And I think that, yes, I think that, you know, the female energy is due for a rebalance, right? Right. The the balancing the divine masculine and feminine, but I love men and I love masculine energy. And I think that even more important, which I'll get a flack for this, but I think even, you know, if we want the, the femme to rise, so to speak, energetically, not like vagina Ali, but energetically, yeah. um, we need to hold a new kind of space for the men on this planet so they can rise up into their own sensitivity and be strong in a space of vulnerability and still be able to embody that, you know, divine masculinity. Well, that's a lot of smashing conditioning <laughs> that's been that we've been conditioned as boys for yeah. all of these years. That that's a yeah. lot of change that needs yeah. to happen for sure. Yes. That's a lot of work ahead. <laughs> yep. Yep. But it's necessary. If if we're going to be balanced out, it's necessary for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, that, that's what it is. It's the, it's the balance is the key. I mean, we live in a polarity experience. Yeah. So if the femme energy rises too much, so to speak, we're just going to be where we were with the imbalance of the masculine, which is, it doesn't matter if it's masculine or feminine. We're creating balance here. And so yeah. I think that that's it. I would love, that's one of the messages that I really like to kind of like drive in is like, we have got to tend to the men and to the boys on this planet and allow them a space to be vulnerable and sensitive. For sure. Yeah. 100%. How do we start doing that though? In your opinion, how do we start? So that's a really good question. I don't know if I have the best answer for that, but what I can say is a couple things. As a parent, and this is across the board gender, no more, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Stop crying. Yeah. Instead, okay, get it all out. Get it all out. Get it all out. I'm here. You need me. I'm right here. 
I'm right here. Get it all out, sweetie. Get it all out. Ask them, did you hurt yourself? Are you okay? Can I help you? Instead of telling them what to feel. It's not our job to tell someone, including our children, what to feel, how to feel. Encourage them to discover their own experience for themselves and be a space holder for them. So I would say that would be a really good space to start. And then having, you know, these meetings, these groups, having conversations around, man, I watched the fucking cat video yesterday and <laughs> my eyes out. And, you know, it can be as simple as like, dude, do you want to watch some cat videos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these animal rescues or whatever, you know, just like, why are, you know, if you're a dude listening to this, Invite your buddies over to fucking watch animal kitten rescue videos instead of like the football game, right? And then, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I think that one's going to be a tough sell to a lot of people. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> I'm still, I'm advocating for it. What type of person or client is your ideal client? Like, what things do you look for? What qualities do you look for? in the people that you potentially work for before deciding to work with them? Well, I do consultations. Okay. So this kind of clears up stuff. And one of the, one of the questions that I ask is, you know, where are you around your addiction to suffering? And usually it's met with like, huh? and even in the, the, the quick response, the facial expression, I, I can tell, right? So if someone's defensive, typically that's not going to go so well. But if someone's like, I've never heard those words before then there's the opening, right? Yeah. Then there's the opening. And it's like, okay, you know, are you here wanting to vent, have a person to vent to? And if they say yes, okay, I'll send, here's a referral or here, you know, this isn't going to be a match. Are you someone who's willing to carve out space every week, every two weeks, no matter what top priority, non-negotiable to get our sessions on the books? Are you willing to rearrange your life to do this work, not like a fucking full rearrangement, yeah. but you know, it's like, you know, here's your slot, do it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Yes. So, you know, that's kind of like my weeding out process, but like ideal people is like, you know, people that are ready, people who are, a yes, there's a look in the eyes where the blinders are starting to peel back. They know that there's a bigger picture out there. They don't want to just like, oh, my husband's annoying me or my wife's annoying me. It's just like, why am I here? Like, what is this about? What's going on? What is that? You know, someone with kind of like this genuine, like bewilderment, who's ready to learn and have an experience. Those are my ideal clients, but even further, you know, people that, I've drawn in the most are those who have kind of flatlined during traditional psychotherapy and psychiatry that have been on medication and not gotten anywhere then, you know? Yeah. So those are really like who I draw in the most. Love it. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? People in an emotional ex expression experience realizing that they had the power to set themselves free all along. They're in those chains and they don't even realize they have the key. It's the self-imposed prison. <laughs> that is huge. huge. I guide them through a couple exercises. I mean, you know, I'm not, I offer a, a very valuable service, but the service is to teach others how to heal themselves. Give them I can't the tools. Pull give them the tools. I can't pull the emotions out for them. I can't realchemize it for them. And anyone who says otherwise, PS, sorry if I piss people off, 
it's a load of fucking crap. (laughs) Plain and simple. You're full of shit. (laughs) Plain and simple. I mean, there's energy healing and this, that, and the other thing. And I love all that. Don't get me wrong. But if someone's saying that they can heal your emotional fucking trauma for you. Calling bullshit on that. Calling bullshit. (laughs) What would you say is one of the most challenging parts about the work that you do? Uh, People's victim mode. People are so addicted to being a victim. And they sign up like, okay, I want to do this. I want to ditch this victim mode and step into my power. And then if they're presented with like a real time and space experience of them being addicted to their victim mode and get called out in real time of space because they've signed up and paid for the experience of getting called out in real time and space for their (laughs) victim mode addiction, (laughs) they get pissed. (laughs) It's usually, not usually, oftentimes they're defensive and then they point the finger i didn't sign up for this shit it's like yes you did (laughs) review the contract (laughs) you signed up when you sent me that money (laughs) when you paid me right we're not just you know this is you know times are relevant (laughs) you know times (laughs) an illusion we're not just dealing with you know 18 year old uh, pothead version you we're dealing with like here and now like put the cookie down yeah yeah <laughs> right or whatever I don't yeah know, but you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah 100 percent. so would you say that you're a woman's empowerment advocate oh absolutely absolutely but i wouldn't say i'm like a traditional feminist no. i think I, I think that's outdated to be honest but definitely women's empower empowerment advocate Absolutely. But I don't support women taking on this masculine energy because they think that like they need to, or they like, you know, whatever, psychoanalyze themselves out of finding power and being feminine. So what, what do you do to empower yourself and empower other women? Mm. You know, going back to my morning routine is huge. I get together with a group of women every morning and you know, we're doing like this warrior training. Again, this is not like oh, <laughs> yoga, right? Yeah. Like, this is like, fuck, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, every morning starting out with that, you know, waking up at 4 a.m., that's not fluffy. That's not no. like, you know, oh, that's like, oh, here we are. Okay, do it. Right. You know, if I could, I don't spend too much time focusing on the feminine and the, and the masculine, to be honest. I strive for balance just because, I mean, people can do whatever the fuck they want, but that's just what feels like a yes for me. So I'm more of like, how can I liberate myself as a soul on planet Earth? I go a little bit in a more different direction than femme, masculine, liberating women. When I think of like, you know, women's empowerment, for me, there's still a little bit of a thread of victim in it. And that doesn't resonate with me. So I would say through being honest and big and loud, because it feels like, yes, not because I'm trying to show off. That is how I do it for me. And I would encourage other people to do the same, regardless of what you got going between the legs. Empowering souls, period. Empowering souls, period, the end. Yeah. 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 Love it. Love that answer. Now you're trained in multiple modalities. Do you incorporate all of these modalities into your training that you have in the work you do with your clients? 
And if so, can you share a little bit about how you do that and what what types of things you you incorporate? Yeah, absolutely. I don't use everything. You know, it's definitely like tools in the toolbox. But Um, real talk, the only reason why I started studying modalities is so I could create a actual business around my own psychic mediumship abilities that I was born with. Then as I studied, I realized that, oh, these aren't limiting me. I can use these in a way that enhances my experience with clients. So the modality that I use the most is Kundalini yoga, the mantra technology, the prana, the breath work, and the meditation. That's one that I use the most. I also utilize, you know, from time to time, I utilize the EFT, you know, the cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, the NLP, the, the hypnosis you know, I mean, but meditation, I mean, it's all, you know, hypnosis is just more of a modern version of guided meditation. Right. right. Really. Yeah. So if you, if you go deep into the meditative studies from ancient times, right. It's like, that shit's like, <laughs> so, you know, definitely I love to get educated. I love learning new things, but do I use it every time? No, all of my sessions are intuitive. Uh-huh. Meaning like what's brought to the table today? Where are we going today? Um, what journey are we headed out on today? Yeah, where we, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, great segue. As you mentioned, you have the gift of being a psychic medium and intuitive healing abilities. How old were you when you discovered you had these gifts? Like really realized you had these gifts? I realized that something was unique about my experience, probably by the age of, I'm going to say two years old, maybe younger, Fuck. I was seeing, you know, I, things were coming to visit and yeah. I could see them and I would talk about them. And then I started to realize that, oh, not everyone else can see what I'm seeing right now because I would be met with, you know, various, you know, when you're a parent, when you're kind of like a, I'll call it a muggle parent to a magical mm-hmm. child, right? Not to say yeah. that my parents are total muggles, right? But, you know, what if you're not, what if you're not versed in, um, you know, how to deal with that or how to respond to that, you know, it's like, oh, you're just tired. You know, there's a brush off, there's the brush off and the redirect, brush off, redirect. Like I'm seeing what I'm seeing. I'm clearly awake. So that very early, very early. And it continued till now, but there were times when I did my best to shut it off because it just was, I mean, it was scary at times. Yeah, I'm sure. Especially at a young age. So were there times when you discussed this with your parents? Like obviously at two years old, it's a little bit different, but as you got older, did you have any of those discussions with your parents? And like, did you have an outlet? You know, no, not really. I mean, every once in a while, me and my mom would discuss things and, you know, she admitted to like, you know, picking up on a couple things here and there, but I, you know, especially as a teenager and in my twenties, like I was partying, I was like, let's shut that motherfucker down. Right. So (laughs) I was, I was in my own kind of distracted avoidance behavior. So no, I didn't have an outlet. You know, I, I went to various therapies and I was, you know, I went to hypnotherapy as a, as a teen, because I was really, you know, I was expressing myself in really unhealthy ways. So, yeah, I think they did the best with what they knew and what was available to them again, as like people that probably still had pretty hefty blinders on, but no, I didn't really have an outlet. Now, I imagine that having these gifts as a young child, as you said, you you went, you you go through and deal with quite a bit of shit. And I'm probably a lot from other kids too, once you get into those years of school and making friends and, and all of that stuff and having to suppress and keep that shit hidden. So how was it as a kid to deal with all that? Oh man, 
it was wild because I could communicate telepathically from a very early age and I could, you know, hear people's thoughts at a very early age. And I didn't know that that wasn't typical. And so I was called out for, you know, being a weirdo, this, that, and the other thing, because I would just be looking at people communicating with them. And it made people really uncomfortable either because they were telepathic as well, or they're like, what the fuck is this girl doing? I don't, I don't understand. So <laughs> why is she staring at what the, what why the what? is this weirdo staring at me? <laughs> I was like, I don't get it. Like, you don't do that? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, <laughs> um, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, anyway. You know, and so I was always interested in, you know, playing seance at like, you know, seven and, mm-hmm. you know, the, and I went to a Christian school when I was like, and fuck all man that was just I got a really good education on what the path I was not meant to go down in this life so (laughs) you know that you know you need that you need your yeses and your noes right and so you know not to deter anyone from going down that path but that sure as fuck isn't mine yeah so you know a lot I would say most of it was just like the me communicating telepathically and being able to hear other people's thoughts was just like it bogged me down it really yeah. was, it was really, really crazy. But then I had one relationship, which was very cool with one of my besties still to this day where I was having downloads. It was my first like experience of channeling and downloading and speaking it. And to this, you know, today she's just like, you know, we, we still have a very, very close relationship. So in high school, I ended up developing a friend where I could really kind of let loose. That's important. Yeah. That, that would have been very much needed. So was there a yeah. light bulb moment for you when you just thought, you know what? I'm not weird. These are my gifts and I'm going to fucking embrace it. I don't care what people say. Absolutely. There's various light bulb moments, but I'd say the biggest one was when my daughter was born because she popped out. And as soon as we made eye contact, it was like, Oh man, conversations. We, you know, remembering each other, all the things like she was telling me the second we made eye contact, she just had so much to tell me. And I was like, Oh God. Okay. Yes. Like, (laughs) Like magic is real, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, magic is real. So that was the big, the big one, the big one. <laughs> so when did you really embrace these gifts and start using them to help people? I would say the always here and there, because, you know, the, as the, as the psychic and as someone who can hear thoughts and, and, you know, of course you throw in some empathy, which, you know, people are like, Oh, I'm an empath. It's like, that shit ain't fucking fun. Like, don't advertise that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What are you thinking? Right. It's like, I take on other people's shit. Ew. (laughs) Clean that up. (laughs) You know, so always, you know, but what happens is at an early age with that, you kind of go into people pleasing. Like, oh, if I can adjust my behavior, I can, because I can hear their thoughts and I can feel what they're feeling. So I could potentially adjust my behavior in order to make them feel better. That's a slippery fucking slope. So it wasn't until my daughter was a about two that I started kind of cutting my teeth as a practitioner, quote unquote practitioner at the, at the strip club, working with some of the dancers, not formally, but, you know, kind of part of my other role was considered kind of like house mom, the go-to. I was managing them, all the dancers as well. So I was in moments of like, you know, hearing the stuff and I was like, I'm going to put these modalities to the test. So that was really cutting my teeth. I would say there actually, yeah, maybe yeah, that was a, almost at the seven-year mark. No, six-year mark. And then yeah. I was like, okay, business time. Let's do this thing. So do you think that or believe that everyone has these abilities within them, whether they're buried deep and 
they just it's it's just a matter of whether they are able to or want to for that matter uncover them discover them and use them or have guidance to on how to tap into them do you believe that that we all have that within us that's a big conversation to have because you know and I think in order to really have that conversation, we need to to take into consideration the hybridization of human DNA with alien DNA, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. So do I think that we all have the capability of these, what would be considered unearthly gifts? Yes, I do. Because I think the limitations of what earthly gifts present to us have been constructed <laughs> and meant to keep people at bay. People are easier to control when they don't think they have power. Absolutely. As they say, united we stand, divided we fall. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I also think that people come to the planet with, um, so for example, you know, I'm a very advanced soul. And what that just means is I've lived a lot of fucking lives in a lot of different areas of the universe, multiverse. I've been around the block. There's no difference necessarily in between like, there's no hierarchy of like a new soul or an old soul. It's just experience. That's it. Period. I've just had a lot of experience in my soul's evolution. So the blinders peel back easier for me the amnesia lifts quicker for someone who's an older soul than mm-hmm. someone who's a new soul it's just it's a little more confusing a little more baffling um and i and i think with some of these older souls and, and maybe not married to the older soul being like okay the old souls are the ones are coming through with like the psychic ability but i think that true psychic ability is different than intuitive ability every single person has every being on the planet possesses the power to be intuitive yes i i think the jury's out to determine whether every single being on the planet has the psychic ability. Fair enough. As mentioned, you are also an international best-selling author. Can you share with us a little bit about the book you participated in, how that feels for you to be a published author and to have that, for lack of a better term, label of being an international best-selling author? Yeah. I mean, wow. So first book, Legacy Speaks. Second book, Lineage Speaks. Third book, Uncensored, Untamed, Unleashed. And I just turned in my final edit to Divinity Speaks, part of the She Speaks trilogy. And how it feels is unreal. It's so, it's kind of part of it's like outside of me, which some, I don't, I mean, you, you've participated in books. It's like part of it just feels outside of me. It feels, it feels like I can't contain it in my human form. You know, the world has our words there forever. Is, there's no feeling like it. There really isn't. You can't, you can't articulate it properly i think for me anyways it's truly one of the most incredible feelings and i honestly believe with every fiber of my being that every single person on this planet should experience it at least once in their lifetime at least it is so powerful and i love the way these multi-author books are structured because it's not about being a literary genius it's about you sharing a story And every single person has poetry in their heart. Mm -hmm. Every single person has learned experiences that they can share the kind of silver lining of. Everyone's inspiring. I couldn't fucking agree with you more. Absolutely. Everybody on this planet has a story to share. And it's just a matter of, and I don't want to use the word convincing, but encourage, encouraging people to believe that and to share that and that the world does need to hear your story. It will resonate. I can guarantee you, guarantee you that it will resonate with at least one person out there. And really, that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. 
if you can help one person to not go through or maybe help them through something that they're going through that that they resonate with you, what you've been through and you telling your story, if you can help them get through it through your story, that's what it's about. That's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. And there's so Mm -hmm. much power and beauty in that Mm -hmm. when you think about that. I mean, think of deathbed. I think about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I'm making a decision that I'm telling myself I'm not clear on, and sometimes we're just not clear. Sometimes it's just not, you know, we need more information or whatever. We need to wait. But I go to deathbed. What's my response to the situation on my deathbed? Am I going to regret doing it? Am I going to regret not doing it? And so, so many people, like you were saying, it's like people want to have an impact on the planet because it's why you fucking come to the planet. It's why you physically incarnate. And if let's say you don't have resource otherwise available Mm -hmm. to you, but you have the resource to at least check out one of these multi-author books or fuck it, write your own book. Yeah. If a multi-author thing doesn't resonate with you, then write your own. But I think that the multi-author books are a great stepping stone into Yes. The the full-on solo author book, because yes. you get a feel, first of all, you don't have to write an entire book yourself. All you have to do is write a chapter. Second of all, at least in my experience, and I know you will probably agree with me on this one because you're part of this whole thing process as well, is the community part of it is the most beautiful and powerful part of this entire thing. You know what? That right there, that sense of community that you get, that community that you become part of when you join this particular area of multi-author books with AMA Publishing, you cannot put a price on that. The, the cost to be in the book, fuck, that's nothing compared to the value you get out of the community. It's oh, yeah. worth its weight in gold, truly. Oh, Yes. I couldn't, uh, yeah, I 100% agree. Shout out Adriana, because she's such a fucking badass. She is. Um, You know, but, you know, she even mentioned the other day, and let's say it, right? It's like, you're not signing up for uh, a product. (laughs) No. (laughs) You're signing up to be with her or you or me because we're awesome that there's a magnetism there's radiance and then beyond that with the community that goes so like deeper and more rich is we found each other again on the planet we all chose to play this game of like let's see if we can find each other again (laughs) and then we come together like oh my god we did it yeah yeah, it, it's truly beautiful and powerful. And everyone who is part of that community is a beautiful soul. Everybody's there with the same purpose, same mindset. And that is to give back and support one another, help each other, lean on each other. It's yeah. just, it is honestly one of the most beautiful experiences and communities I've ever had the opportunity to be part of. Absolutely. Hands down, the fucking best part of it all is the community. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the people that are part of it, the relationships, absolutely. the friendships that have been built and created. And that's, you can't put a price tag on that. You just can't, you know, I like efficiency and there's some, sometimes you have people in your life where it's like, okay, it's like, we're meeting for the first time again, every single time we talk, <laughs> I'm like, I don't have time for that. And so when you come into a community like this, like, you know, in these multi-author books, like that shit is just shed. We just kind of remember like, oh, we know we've known each other before. Like we yeah. just know there's no time to kind of like pretend. Let's skip the pleasantries. Let's skip the fucking pleasantries. <laughs> Let's move on to the dance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so was writing something that's always been part of who you are or has this been a fairly new path for you? 
the writing part of it. Yeah, always, always, yeah. always poetry, always writing, always automatic writing, writing down my downloads when I felt like I couldn't share it, you know, that yeah. self-limiting shit, right? Yeah. But when I felt like I couldn't share it, I'm just writing, writing, writing. Yeah, always. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I'm honest and I have a superpower of reframing. So that's kind of the account. That's where the accountability piece comes in. It's like I can walk people through any circumstance in their life and reframe it so they can not only learn from it, but take their power back from it. And also see why they chose that experience on a soul level. That's deep. That's powerful. That is beautiful. Thank you. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does that word mean to you? Freedom. Freedom. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? What was your life like after you learned it? Communication. Not necessarily like over talking and needing to talk about everything, but I bottled up everything because I was terrified. I was weird. I was different. You know, all these things, right? I was working with a a different set of cards, so to speak. So I was keeping them hidden. And I just, my throat chakra was shut down. And that created a lot of dis-ease in my physical body. So communication, saying things, expressing the expression, the emotional expression, you know, we emotionally communicate. It's not just like, can I say something right now? (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say something? it's like taking a fucking time out go into stream doing my release exercises then doing some yoga doing my meditation and my breath work it's the outward communication the expression because that's fucking power that's power that's it so i went from you know quote-unquote powerless because i was holding everything in and then i started to fucking expand that shit out and got huge all the power that's available to me was revealed. So that communication, whether it's verbal, energetic, emotional, let that motherfucker out. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions is just be two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? Yep. How would you describe yourself in one word? Wild. What is the first thing you notice about a person? Eyes. What was your dream job as a child? Ballet dancer. If you were writing your autobiography, what would the title be? Bitch, you guessed it. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Buckle up. (laughs) If you could teach the world one thing, what would that one thing be? Wake up. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Mm, Family. What is one of your favorite words? Illuminous. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) If you had the opportunity, Brandy, to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world. Who would it be and why? Guru Jagat. Guru Jagat is my teacher, my Kundalini yoga teacher, my embodied guide. And I actually talk to her often. She transitioned off the planet almost a year ago. So my talk with her, it's already like big picture, deep down, dirty stuff currently. I just would love to sit with her listen to music, have a snack, and talk shit. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) What does the best version 
of brandy look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Radiant, glowing, confident, hilarious, <laughs> wild, crass, beautiful, and fucking fierce. Kali, Kali, Kali. I got badass. 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 <laughs> what does the word empowerment mean to you? It's the embodied action of being awake. I like it. Love that definition. Never had that one before. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that one piece of advice be? Wear the bikini. Wear the fucking bikini. I spent so long hiding my cute little body. I was such a tomboy and so bashful, like, you know, layer, 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 skateboard music. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, because I thought that was a strong fucking woman. I'll act like a boy. That makes me a strong woman. It's like, no, no. I would celebrate, just celebrate, celebrate my human form. Celebrate that. Celebrate it. Love it. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, like your corner of the world, your tribe, your peeps, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say or what words of wisdom would you impart onto them? Use your sound to vibrate your heart open, open your mouth to open your eyes and wake the fuck up. Love it. And that's a wrap, as they say. (laughs) We'll end on that note. (laughs) So beautiful and powerful. I love it. Wise words from Brandy. Brandy, thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast, a pleasure, an honor. I knew this conversation would be as good as it was. It was better than what I expected, even if that's even possible. (laughs) I just want to thank you for taking and making the time to be here today and share about your story and your journey. And You are such an inspiring, beautiful human being. I am so grateful that our paths crossed and to know you. And I'm honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. You are a bright, beautiful light. Keep shining that shit out into the world and doing the beautiful things you're doing and just be authentically beautiful you. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Brandy Knight. She is the owner and founder of Inner Calling LLC and an esoteric exorcist. Thank you so much, Brandy. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.